I want you to welcome uh, and uh, a brother. Um, I just love this guy, and uh, he's just been a blessing in my life. And would you please welcome Greg Molchan from the Grand Rapids Dream Center. Oh, that means a lot from Tom. He, I don't know if you can tell, but at least to me, he is a spiritual father. And God has used him so, so, so very much into the work that he was describing. He, I don't know if he would receive this, but I'd, I dare say that we wouldn't be where we're at without God raising him up in our life. We need, we need fathers and God has actually brought, I would say, a combination of fathers in my life that have made a huge impact, and I think I might even get to mention a, a few more today, and that's some of the heart of what I hope to share about today is just, what's that mean? Because I believe there's a father inside of all of us. Now, some of us here are earthly fathers, many of us. And others, you're, you're an earthly father and you've learned to become a spiritual father. But there's something inside of every man that yearns for fathering. But it's from the truest, purest sense. Because many of us actually probably had maybe some funky fathering experiences growing up. And I even had some of my own. And so uh, I'm going to do my best today to kind of take us there. There's a couple practical things inside of it, short amount of time, but hopefully we can, we can cast some seed and vision. Uh, Tom wanted me to put a plug for our celebration coming up, too, for the Grand Rapids Dream Center. That's our annual supervision event, uh, formerly called the Gala. But uh, Dan Seaborn is going to be with us, and he was, oh boy, he was at our first Dream Center Gala. And man, you know, you know Dan if you've seen him. I mean, he just nails the heart. And so you are invited October 10th to come. It's basically 6.30 to 8.30. I'll, uh, we didn't have time to get flyers here today, but we'll try to get some flyers for next week for the, 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 the roundtable discussions. So awesome. I, I want to read you a letter to kind of lean more into this important truth. So here we go. It's kind of a long letter, but I just felt like I was supposed to read it. And it was a letter that I wrote a while ago, and here we go. Dear friends, I want to take a few minutes to highlight one of the focuses and programs of, the GRD, of GRDC in this letter. Please take time to read this letter. It's, it's a little longer than normal. Why? Because I'm going to give you one systematic reason and most profound breakdown of culture that contributes to why we have the problems we have with poverty. I'm going to hit the root. I want to talk about our World Changers men's program, but knowing this letter, I'm not overlooking the powerful women's impacts and the needs um, that we also address at the Dream Center. So, you know, I'm acknowledging the, the profound impact of ladies, but we're going to talk about men, right? Why is men's impact so important inside of our city and everywhere? When you look at areas of the city that have been impacted by poverty, there is one common thread that is the foundation to all other problems. It's the absent or abusive man. This is the man who's a taker and not a maker. This is the selfish man who's never grown up. This, is, this man may be in a full-grown man's body, but inside he's a childish boy who does not look out for anyone but himself and all his needs. Unfortunately, in a culture impacted by poverty, this is a systematic problem or systemic 
What does this look like? What we've commonly seen is that often men just have abandoned mothers altogether. The man is not there for the mother or the children. In most cases, he does not pay child support. This is because he also does not work and can't hold down a job. Why? Most commonly because he's never learned to work hard and not, and not quit when life gets tough. Why is this so common? Because the pattern of absent and abuse of men is so systemic that there are literally no authentic men who've stayed committed to their mothers by marriage or otherwise to provide an example of what it looks like to be a father. The problem is widely multi-generational at this point. We commonly see mothers are taking care of their children alone, allowing those boys or men to repeat the pattern so it just keeps repeating. When life gets tough, they allow their young men to quit and, and they tend to over-nurture them. When these boys become adults, they, they now have adult needs and they seek sexual relationships without commitment. Then a new generation of women will take care of these overgrown boys whom now they've had sex with, resulting in children. But the women can only tolerate an overgrown boy for so long because he isn't a contributor. As mentioned above, he's a constant taker from the family, not a maker. Ultimately, this frustration multiplies, which causes him to leave or causes her to make him leave because he won't contribute. As the cycle goes on and on, creating a culture void of committed men loving on the mothers and the children. Mothers are forced to take care of many children alone. They seek refuge financially from the government. When this pattern, seem, when this pattern seems so obvious, why does it never seem to be broken? That's a fair question, right? Back to men. Did you know 90% of the men in prison have no father or were severely abused by a father or a man in the house? So this, this transcends just poverty culture or what you think poverty is in the city. And poverty is a much bigger, bigger condition of the inside than it is the poverty con condition on the outside. The selfish man easily becomes a dog-eat-dog -dog man. It's survival of the fittest, which really is the supreme law of the street. Do what I have to do at any cost to survive because this always results in brokenness. Men are so unfulfilled and won't admit the shame because every man knows deep inside that it isn't supposed to be this way. With so much history of failure and quitting, now the man believes there is no other way. There's a lot of inner pain which can often lead men to addiction to alcohol and drugs. This feeds the crazy cycle even more. Feeding an addiction cycle only escalates the selfishness and consumption to the nth degree. We're almost done with the letter. Can you guys with me still? Okay. How does the cycle get broken? As much as I want the government to help, as of right now, our government feeds the system. There's no incentives to men in poverty when they step up and marry their women and work. It's actually the opposite. More funding is available if the woman remains unmarried. But I don't want to go down the government rabbit trail. Amen. <laughs> yes, there's a need for government reforms to help break these cycles, but the answer lies with the church and the government of Jesus Christ. For us, a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will, will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. The answer comes from the heart of a father, which Jesus came and showed us. Jesus is the true authentic image and portrait of a man. He showed us the authentic man lays down his life for his family and community. The church must intervene. We must go to the dark places where men are struggling with fatherlessness. 
If we can start to redeem the men by fulfilling the great commission of making disciples, we can break the cycle one man at a time. As more men get redeemed, momentum will build and the families and communities will begin to change. Imagine the broken poverty culture of selfish, absent men changing into a redeemed culture of kind, gentle, hardworking men who don't quit on their mothers or children. It's a pretty cool picture. They adorn their families with selfless love, which means utterly taking care of them and being there for them in relationship. Mothers and children will start to be empowered to be fully confident people that fulfill big dreams and solve big problems in our society. Amen. This is our goal, and we're seeing men come into a powerful men's community being redeemed one man at a time. Boys and men don't get redeemed, or they don't get godly, authentic manhood unless it is given by other men who pour into them. Every authentic man I talk to feels this tug on his heart because he knows this is true about what I wrote above. But very few respond to the call. This is a call for you to have courage and venture into the journey with us. And now I'm talking church collective, Big C, or it could be Dream Center too. There is, there is a movement of us who have ventured into this journey, very unknown at first, but being fathered by God and led by his spirit, we are seeing boys and, boys and men rise up. Make this commitment and don't turn back. Jesus is faithful and he will use you while also making you succeed in every area of your life for obeying his call to make disciples. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we know this is our call. God, speak to us. Speak to the Father within us, God. I pray for your anointing. I pray for impartation. Thank you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said? God has a special heart for the disadvantaged, and particularly the fatherless. And... You know, he's always got his eye in a special way upon people. You know, and I look at the time and season we're in right now in the world, in our Western culture. It reminds me of Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6, the last scripture in the Old Testament. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. It's the day and the hour, man. God, I know, is turning our hearts, and I know there's a hunger for those that have not had the true sense of a father. They're yearning for it. They're looking for it, and they're not looking for it in, a, in an empty church that's just dead man's bones in religion, but they're looking for committed fathers. And so um, we, in order for us to rise into this call, obviously, step number one, we've got to experience the father ourselves. So it's okay if you're here, you're being stirred, but maybe you haven't gone to that depth. Like you're still in like triage or something at the hospital and God wants to work on you. But here's the awesome thing. God wants you to know his heart and I'm not gonna take long to touch on this part, but it is very important. He wants you to know the heart as a son and who he is as a father. Galatians 4, 6, and 7, and because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out Abba, Father, an intimate, close, trusted, committed relationship. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. There's an inheritance. And unfortunately, some of us, we got the wrong inheritance from some of our earthly fathers or father-like figures, but God's a redeemer. And God doesn't want us to focus on that because he's got more for us. 
It says in Romans 8, 15 through 17, so you've not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You know, I'm no longer a slave to, but I am a child. Good job. Greg, don't do worship ever again. Um, <laughs> um, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. So, it, you know, Paul's repeating this in multiple epistles. For his spirit joins our spirit to affirm that we are his children. So it's not just intellectual. You, you feel the love and presence empowering you as a father because that's what a father does. He brings confidence inside of his sons and his daughters. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. There we go. There's an inheritance again. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So we're empowered to really take on big endeavors, even if it's, there's some pain there, because it's all about the Father's love. A um, couple of other things about the Father's heart. He's not a harsh father, and that's one thing he wants us to know. And, you know, what commonly can happen in religion is there's this thing where it's like, or maybe we experienced a father figure and an authority figure. Uh, have you ever heard the statement that says, rules without relationship produces what? Rebellion. He's not that kind of dad. He's a dad who's in there, who's with us. So when he instructs us, we know that love. We know that, yeah, yeah, he's taken us down the right path. And, and, and God wants us to experience that heart. And so, you know, he, he is not a father of wrath. And so uh, Ephesians 6.4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Again, he's a relationship God. And I know his hope is that he would, that we would experience that so we can give that to our families. We can bring that into our, our church, our men's group, our workplaces. And so I would say this on that, that, that tip. If you haven't experienced that, you're yearning for it, uh, I'm just going to shameless plug, but you know, go to a return. I know there's plenty of men in here that have done that. Uh, go to a quest. Uh, I had some very profound encounters with Father God, and that was after 10 years of ministry, man, where I still lacked in my identity. I was an orphan deep in my spirit. And if you haven't experienced God that way, you run as hard as you can, and you chase that. You get on one of those events, and don't give up and don't quit, because I'm telling you, when you feel that impartation from the Father, it will change you. So let's keep it moving here. What I've seen and what we've learned and now experience that place, and God sends us into a place that's kind of void of men, uh, no man's land, pun intended. And I, I'm going to tell you, first of all, pray for us, because we are starting to reach men, uh, a generation, but it's really starting with the younger men. I, I, I'd almost say under 30 but between 30 and 65, it's just been brick walls, this culture void of men trying to reach that. And I know God's going to penetrate that. And, and, you know, so I don't know, like water, you're running to where there's the opportunity. The younger men, I don't know why. It's like there's a fresher outlook. And, but we learn quickly. It's like we're coming. We're trying to bring the love of the Father. But how do you do that? What, what does that look like? And so my heart today is to hopefully in encourage and inspire. What does it look like for some of that impartation? Uh, you know, if we've all got the call, 
but how do we venture out into it? Now, I know that there, there can be ministries that can help, you know, pave the way. I certainly believe we're one of them. But I, I also believe, too, just grabbing hold of the principles. And a couple things that, that we've learned was uh, something super key was expectations for those that we mentor or we pour into or we begin to father, in a sense, is so huge. And why, why do I mention it? Well, first, let me, let me read a quote here from a book called Doing Hard Things. Anybody ever heard of that book? Oh, it's amazing. Your, your, your children and teenagers should read it. Matter of fact, my young Judah, he's 12, working on 13. Right now, I'm bringing him through his one year of father-son father son manhood covenant. And uh, he's got about eight reads, and this is his first read, and he's just going bananas about this book. It's written by two teens. Uh, they're older now, but they wrote it when they were 19. The foreword was by Chuck Norris. Come on, man. Anybody got Chuck in the house, man? Anybody got a good Chuck joke around here? I haven't heard those lately. Are we too politically correct? Are we going to get canceled, you know? Uh, today we live in a culture that promotes, uh, this is Chuck Norris, we live in a culture that promotes comfort, not challenges. Everything's about finding ways to escape hardship, avoid pain, dodge duty. In the past, young people were expected to make significant contributions to society. Today, our culture expects very little from teens, not much more than staying in school, doing a few chores. A sad consequence of such low, expectation, uh, low expectations is that life-changing lessons go unlearned. To whom can we turn to motivate a new generation of giants? I found the answer. Alex and Brett Harris in their book, Do Hard Things. Then one more little quote from Alex and, and, and Brett Harris here. Do hard things will help recruit, develop, and deploy a new generation of young culture warriors. You guys like the sound of that? With God's help, the book you're holding will usher in an era which it can once again be said of our youth, I write you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. You and you have overcome the evil one, 1 John 2.14. Expectations are so huge. So the first couple of years when we were pouring into another generation and you know we just got run over just to be honest <laughs> you know we're, we're, we're doing everything we could to reach out and, and we're, we're making relationships with with young guys and these are guys too already in early manhood so this ain't this isn't I took the plug and and they're talking about teens but again this transcends more than just teenage men but it's certainly super important uh, my father's in here and my grandfather's and we just, it's like we weren't calling forth the greatness and calling them on the expectations of God. And we just struggled. And I feel like in culture right now, I look and it's like I'm seeing a generation of parents, maybe they had harsh authority figures, fathers, and it's like, you know, man, I don't like that. And I mean, and nobody likes that. I don't like a harsh person. Anybody like that? <laughs> and it's like, almost like, the gen, like, like my generation of parents has kind of gone over here. Well, hey, expectations, whew, you know. I, I was talking to a guy yesterday, uh, funny little story. I was texting and wasn't hearing back. Finally, an hour later, they're like, oh, this is in his phone. He gave it to his daughter. She's five. She needs some expectations, let me tell you. And no five-year-old should be having no phone. 
Um, I, I'm going to come back to that thing, but, um, and you know, yes, we don't want to get over here. Uh, we're impersonal, we're mean, and we're just, uh, do what we want, you know, but we've got to have expectations. We've got to call it forth. We've got to teach. We've got to instruct. And we've got to, and, and what happens when somebody's being raised up, whether they're a young person, a young man, uh, a man in early adulthood, when we're young, we fail. So first of all, loving father always comes with great love and support, and I'm in it with you. But then it's like, hey, though, but you're accountable. Come on. We're going to keep going. We're not quitting. We got this expectations is so key, and, and there's more to it, but i got to keep it moving this morning, so I'm going to do that. Um, Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, and you have completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, so this is important to the Lord. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. So discipline and expectation is a, is a sign of love when it's done right. Um, God, because uh, it says this, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his own son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his own children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone, everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. I'm going to stop right there. You know, one of the things that we've seen, too, is in our culture, we... For me, it's been a big grow, uh, learning curve and growing curve. Growing in the love and heart of the Father, we've also learned to bring a thing we call culture of honor in what we do, in our staff, with our teams, how we relate to people. So in our young men, in our men, young men's universe, we're, we're holding guys accountable big time, and, and, and we, we, we shoot the truth straight. But it's done with high respect and honor and context of relationship. And a lot of times it can be slow and with long-suffering. But how many of you know, if you and I are doing something wrong, don't we want correction to do it right? And we just want to be successful? And I know God can raise up a generation. It's inside of his heart. That's what a, lo a loving father can do. And, and it could position his, his sons or daughters or, and whatever to be, be highly successful. So I'm going to move on from expectations. Say expectations. Um, next point practical point is, uh, I, I, I termed it watchful. And it says this, we must train our kids and youth to be prepared and responsible with media and not allow them this privilege too soon. We need courage for this. And of course, I alluded to that story a minute ago. Uh, let me read the scripture. It is Luke eleven thirty four through 36. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, guess what? Your whole body is filled with light. But when it's unhealthy, your body's filled with darkness. Make sure the light that you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. So recently, uh, I've revisited, we were talking this morning, but uh, I'm rereading Ma Maximize Manhood about my third time, but this is the first time I've read it in about 18 years. And it's like, I mean, this book, I mean, Tom, do you remember, is it 40 years old, this book? And uh, Ed Cole hits this topic so big, I love it. He calls it, it's in chapter 10, he calls it Video Daddy. 
Because I'm telling you, the media has such an impression and, and, and can influence and steal the heart of, of our souls and especially somebody we influence. I always said this, I'll never forget overnight when um, my daughter was a sixth grader. No kids had phones. It's kind of like a regular school environment. Then overnight, I don't know, it's just finally the iPhone hit critical mass or something. Seventh grade, almost 90-something percent had them. And it's like everything started to change. And, of course, you know, we were the old archaic parents because guess what? My, my, my daughter didn't get her first iPhone until 17 because we were training her on the way. My son just got his. He's 17. She's now 19. And that was with Wi-Fi. It wasn't with a network, you know, just go anywhere you want and look at whatever you want. No, there was proving ground. A shameless plug on this, too. And they had to pay for it. I'm going to pay $1,000 and just let you go loose. You know, like if we lived in a jungle, right, it's got snakes, pythons, scary animals. You know, what would you do if your house was there? You'd have a fence, right? Because what you would do is when you opened the door into the jungle, you would teach your kids how to navigate that snake and that tiger and this and that. You wouldn't just send them out there because it's the status quo. And, it's, and, and, and you want to see you know, the hearts and the minds of a generation stolen because of watchfulness? It's because of the media outlet. Ed Cole had it right 40 years ago. And so, uh, again, i got to move on uh, on that. I, I can testify now with two uh, adult kids. This stuff, it works. Their hearts have stayed pure. Trust has stayed in, their, in, in our family. And relationship, best of all, we talk to each other. <laughs> and we weren't that archaic. They had iPads, so they knew apps and technology because we, we, we prepared them. I got to keep it moving, guys. Um, you know, again, uh, I'm, I'm in a place right now where we're bringing them into, uh, I, I told you about my son, Judah. It took courage for me to get on a path to impart manhood. And we, we, we've been learning how to do this uh, systematically with the Dream Center. I, I wasn't in a family where a dad had a manhood covenant. I mean, that, you might be hearing that, and that sounds scary to you. But I was just like, my greatest fear was that I would fall to passivity and not affirm the manhood inside of them, not bring them on a process. Now, you know, if you're in conjunction with any man or your own sons, grandsons, daughters, you can create your own path. It doesn't have to look like mine, you know. But we, we've got some pretty, I got some pretty high expectations in, in ours. But you know what I've seen? Because I'm alongside of my sons, and my daughter did something different that I had a role in with, with my wife and, and her womanhood. They've risen up. They, they, they've risen up. They've embraced it. We can't be scared to set expectations. And really deep within, uh, inside of a young person or any man, they want a mark to hit. So one thing I, I just want to highlight before I close here in prayer is, just a little visual of some of the stuff we've been able to learn and put together in our universe with the Dream Center. And then both my sons have also been in our World Changers program, too, in addition to my personal uh, manhood covenant. So, um, all right, the Andrezo man, many of you are familiar with that if you've been to the return. 
we've taken that also as part of our image uh, of what our man looks like, you know, a man of Christ, a man of commitment, a man of circumspection. That, that's a word for watchfulness. A man of conviction, character, courage, compassion, community. We, we, James DeMello, when he does this, he's got five C's. We love him, but we had to add a few more C's. <laughs> I could have added another five or six, but I was like, we got to rein this thing in. Um, you know, we've got a picture of what it looks like, but then also we've been able to, just through patterns and seasons working with men and young men, we've, we've had to have goals for guys. What does it look like to be successful? And again, I can't read you the fine print, right? You see level one, two, three, four, five. Again, this is just a high-level visual of some stuff that we've learned to be able to kind of like systemize and do it, but it, it's been uncomfortable every step of the way. And many junctures, I'm just scared we're going to fail. <laughs> and ma matter of fact, we have failed in some ways. And we just get back up and we learn and we get better. So I want to pray just for an impartation of a father. I don't know where some of you are at, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to rein it in. I'm about two minutes past 7.30, just so you working men, some of you may have to go. Um, I just, in the challenge, along with the letter, where are you with your fathering, you know? Are you in a season of triage? Do you need to go deeper with the father? Do it. And it, there's maintenance there, too. I went, you know, I went on Quest in 09. I went on a return last November, right? Is that where you're at? But for those of you who are in a good place with the Father, none of us are perfect. Are you venturing out into God's call to pour in? I know this, I think this in here looks like a reflection of some of that. This in here could be that opportunity to bring somebody who needs fathering into an environment like this. Um, but, but again, whether it's this or the Dream Center, it's not the end-all, be-all. Some, some of you, God's calling you to venture out. Maybe he's calling you to go into no man's land or to partner with other men's structures. I could tell you our greatest need, we don't have enough men pouring in. And like every man that will commit to the need, that's just like, whoa, gold in our hands. We got one. We got one. He's going to help us pour in because there's hundreds and thousands around here, but we got one to pour in. I mean, we're desperate. We're not going to give up either. And I know the, 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 the young men we're pouring into, they're going to turn around and pour into others. Um, but at every level, you know, we've got our young, young men. We're still trying to break into the older men. We've got our, our ninth through 12th graders. We've got this systematic program that affects them. We got our middle schoolers. I mean, right now I got one site, my, my third through fifth. I mean, we're just being overrun again because the young boys are being drawn. They don't have fathers, and it's just me and one other guy, and we're like, ah, okay, Jesus, bring, bring another one. Bring another one to pour in. Jesus, the harvest field's plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of, of the harvest. You guys are our laborers. So I don't know what it looks like. It could be pouring back here inside of this church or whatever church you're from. But please, the Father's within you. Can I pray? All right. Well, Jesus, thank you, God, for this just wonderful role and call, God. God, I pray for impartation. God, motivation. I thank you too, God. I know I have the pleasure and honor of knowing many men in this room 
Lord God. Thank you for, God, the many men that are just, they, they are doing everything they can to pour in, God. Thank you for that. Multiply that. Advance that, God. And for those that are maybe ready, they're coming into the intake. I thank you, God, you ignite them today, Lord Jesus. You ignite them, Father God, to get to the next level. And God, I pray too for other guys that, man, they're healing. They're getting to know the love of the Father. They're, they're learning to depart from the orphan spirit. God, I pray over them that they'll know you and they could be strong and they'll, they'll run strong and fast. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this men's group here. Thank you for Tom and continue to manifest your glory. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.